Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Right Club podcast. I'm Laurel Simmons, and my co-host today is Catherine nelson Riley, our fabulous and amazing operations manager. Catherine, our guest today is Jordan Sylvester, who is a real estate agent in the Windsor area in Ontario. And wow, I, you know, I didn't know anything about Windsor, to be honest. And uh, he really opened my eyes about what's going on down there. Lots of economic information, lots of information about the uh, development of neighborhoods, uh, the, the plants that are being built. So if you're interested at all in, in, in investing in that area, this is a really worthwhile episode because you'll get lots of tips. And not only did he give lots of tips, in fact, he gave so many lots, he gave so many tips that we have a part two because we just wanted him to keep talking, didn't we? Absolutely. He's uh, was just, uh, and he's so personable and he was giving examples of what, you know, mistakes he's made along the way. And he's just so real when you're talking to him. It's just, was an absolute delight. Really very much enjoyed part one and part two. All right. Just before we go to the interview, Catherine, what is his contact information? Yes, absolutely. Jordan at Sylvester's.ca. J-O-R-D-A-N at S-I-L-V-E-S-T-E-R-S dot C-A. And so Sylvester Associates. And yeah, he's on all the social medias as well. All right, let's go to the interview. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Hi, Jordan, and welcome to the Right Club Podcast. Hi, Laurel. Thanks for having me. Wow. We are recording this on one of the coldest days in Southern Ontario of this year so far. And I know that the rest of the, can- of the country is struggling with a deep freeze. However, real estate still goes on, right? People still invest in real estate and business still goes on. And we all just hunker down and do what we got to do. And you do what you do, which is you are a real estate uh, agent broker in the Windsor, Essex area, correct? Correct. Yes, I'm a Windsor. I've uh, lived in Windsor most of my life and uh, been working in this business for 16 years. Okay. So talk to us about investing in real estate in, in, in your area. What's going on down there? Yeah. So currently Windsor, like anywhere else, you know, the interest rates made a mild adjustment to our pricing and to our cash flow, right? So the the last six, seven years prior to the 2022 March adjustment is what we like to call it. We don't call it, you know, negative things. We just remind ourselves it's just an adjustment. But realistically, when we're looking at it, the current market still allows for you to find at least neutral, maybe still some cash flow if you're willing to do the in-law suite, the basement reno, the additional dwelling unit on the property. There is a lot of opportunity down here still with our pricing being highly competitive compared to other parts of Canada. Again, with the change before you could flip, flipping is still an opportunity. You just have to be much more cautious as you purchase. Because unlike before, where the market just sort of helped do some of the heavy lifting for you by going up every month, now you have to really make sure your models and plans are based in facts, not in theory of change. And, and if anything, you want to adjust for possibly a slight downturn instead of an uptick, 
But I think right now, as we've seen over the last, I would say, six months, we've seen fairly level trends throughout uh, most of the real estate market, which allows investors to start to, you know, make better and, and more finite decisions around really simple pro, you know, prospects. So if the interest rate's going to drop a few percent, that's fine. But if it stays at six and a half with your B lender, whoever you're using for your you know, you know, your growth plan. A lot of times you just want to make sure that number continues to work. If it goes to seven, it still works. If it goes down to six, great. If it goes down to four, amazing. Cause then you're just, you know, your cash flow goes up by three, 400 bucks a month. No one's going to complain. But you want to make sure that when you're making that first investment, even down here these days, cash flow is the primary target I recommend to my clients because again, we're not sure how long the equity build will take um, after the adjustment. We do know over time, we'll definitely get back. It's just, you, you can talk to seven or eight different people and you'll say two years, five years, 10 years, nobody really you know has their crystal ball completely clear yet. I think we're going to move quicker than expected just because I think the overall market is still stable and moving forward, which is a nice uh, adjustment after the last year we've had. So, What kind of properties are investors looking at right now? And by that, I mean, is it single family homes? Is it duplexes, triplexes? Um, bigger than that, uh, commercial, like what's the general feeling down there? Yeah. So uh, again, a lot of my clients, we deal in single family. We have um, a lot of them are now looking at multifamily as really the only cash flow option. It's really difficult to just go buy a single family home and then turn it to cash flow with one tenant. Um, the other option, of course, we have is short term rental slash Airbnb, but there's a lot of policies and procedures that have come in. Um, regarding any short-term style rentals. So again, working with educated realtors around ideas that might be able to get you into those similar type of uh, cash flow situations. We have the college, we have the university here. So again, that's what a lot of people are looking at. Again, the student rental, trying to find a way to squeeze that extra cash flow out of a project. If you're trying to do, you know, the flip is still most predominantly in the single family market from what I can see. But if you're going to go to the hold, a lot of people are looking at duplex, triplex, and then, you know, grow from there. And then you're working off cap rate once you get into eight, nine, you know, and or show a lot of times it's going to be a cap rate situation. So what the current rents are, what the potential rents are for value. And we're finding that a lot of people seem to be, again, on the commercial side, it's still rolling. And there's a lot of people looking to invest in the commercial side, industrial-wise, office space, I think is still a little light. But from the residential side, again, with multi-units, and you can start to get into the cash flow situation, you're going to buy off of that versus single family, which is bought off of emotion more by the average public. Whereas, you know, investors uh, like myself and others, we look at the bones of a property and we're like, do these bones allow us to make the cash flow we need or the, the flip or the project profit we're looking for versus, you know, you know, right now people are just looking for housing and housing is difficult, whether you're a renter in this current market or whether you're a homeowner and you're like, man, how could rents go any higher? It's like, well, if somebody's going to buy a house and let you rent it, if you look at the cost on borrowing and you look at the way that most people, you know, purchase these properties with 20% down and you put all that together, like when you realize that their mortgage payment used to be 800 bucks and now it's 1800 bucks, right? That's a fairly drastic adjustment for the, when it was 2% and now it's six and a half for them to be able to then rent it to you for anything less than 25 or 2600. And that you're talking smaller homes again. So again, if you're investing, if you have a way to invest in single family with, you know, singular tenancy, that's amazing. But you'd have to buy that at a pretty good rate these days, whereas multifamily still, of course, as always, runs on a bit of a different metric. Again, cap rate just follows um, where the interest rate kind of goes. And then one of the best things I've heard recently is your date and the rate. So in Canada, 
unlike the US, you only got to lock in for, you know, anywhere from one to five years, a lot of times with your lender. And so you can date the rate and then hope that in a year or two. So if you can get to neutral cash flow, I've recommended to a lot of my investors, neutral cash flow is not a bad thing because odds are we're going to see the rates come down, but it's still a risk. But if you're going to date the rate for two or three years, and then all of a sudden, you know, the thing will cash flow because maybe it'll be at three and a half percent. I don't think we'll be back in the low twos, but you never know. Are you finding that people who do go or out, and I guess there's some people, investors who go after single family homes or even say a double, are they looking at renovating the property so they can bring more tenants in? Yeah. One of the biggest things I've always done, which is the mother-in-law suite reno or the true duplex reno, it just depends on the height of the basement and some of the other options. Again, with student rentals, we've had, we, we have rules that we have to follow safety and all of those things. So you're always making sure that you are accommodating. So the tenants, of course, are in that position. But if you can add value, you've got basement height in those things to be able to put another unit in the property and then increase cash flow. It's usually the most effective way because for about a hundred grand, 125, um, you can take a completely vacant basement and turn it into a unit. So when you consider that you're buying the property for 400, and then you can add that unit for say 125,000, and you're not going to fully double cash flow, but you'll be able to increase cash flow by maybe you know at least two thirds of what it's at. So you'd be able to push the number from say 2,200 all the way up to probably 3,800. Um, inclusive, but then all of a sudden you're dealing with a number that you might be able to hold the mortgage and cash flow a little bit of money versus the other way where it would be very difficult. And the municipalities down there are making it easy or okay for investors <laughs> to do that because sometimes that's not the case, although certainly the provincial government is encouraging municipalities to provide den housing density, correct? Yeah. So the ADU, right? The additional dwelling units, those can be basement units. Those can be, you know, garages, conversions. They can be from scratch, depending on the size of lot you have. Of course, there's still certain rules and regulations. The biggest thing is going to be is dealing with the city bureaucracy. And, and that's my opinion. Like every time I've had to deal with the city, the timeline it takes to get something done is not measured in my version of as an investor, I try to avoid them. Not because I don't want to follow the rules, because the rules take too long to process. And so for me, again, everybody's out there, you know what, if you're going to do, like, if you want to be able to, again, get the money out of the bank, you have to go through the proper processes, go through the proper things. I know they're trying really hard to um, incentivize the, the municipalities to reduce the amount of time it takes to get things done. Um, and, and start to, you know, move at a faster pace so you can go in and get a project done in three months instead of in six to eight months like it currently takes in some situations. Um, and so, again, if you're owning your own home and you're looking at adding value, I recommend that basement unit, putting in some of those things, doing it with the egress windows, doing it with proper drywall, doing it with proper electrical and plumbing, like making sure you're covering all those bases. And again, you know, when you're dealing with the city. If you're going to, then just understand the time delays that might exist. And that's for leaning on some people who've been through it. If you're an investor and you're starting out or you haven't dealt with the city of Windsor or LaSalle or some of the different municipalities, because each one's a little bit different, make sure you talk to somebody who has dealt with them recently and verify the timeline. Because if you're like, oh, this is a six-week project, that's great. And then you have the time that the city takes to approve the different you know, aspects of that. So Again, most of the people I know who are doing renovations usually stick to more cosmetic level renovations than they do to anything that requires city approval and try to avoid the permits necessary. 
um, and do a lot of the more cosmetic stuff where you're allowed to change a kitchen without approval. You're allowed to floor and paint and do some of these things where you don't need necessarily to get permits. Um, and just knowing what the cities, each city has their own bylaws, verifying what you are allowed to do yourself and what you aren't. Um, when you hire an electrician or you hire a professional, what they're allowed to do without permits and what they aren't. It's just so you know what, you know, if the city comes knocking or there's a situation and you've decided to do something that you're in a position where either A, you have really good photos, which is a recommendation I make to anybody anytime you're doing a renovation in case they do ask for them. Or B, you know, that you don't want to have to tear something apart that you've put together. Otherwise, what was the point? So you made a really good point about City Hall. And I believe uh, we have, Catherine, I think we've spoken to people who who told us that if you really want to get ahead with City Hall, don't wait until you are actually at the beginning of the project. Get in there ahead of time and get to know people, right? So mm -hmm. it's all about people. Yeah, if you know the right people, whether that's lenders, whether that's the people there, whether that's the right contractors, whether that's the right people who've already done what you're trying to do, right? Like the people who have the shortcuts. So if you don't have the relationship, find someone who does. So the, the, the game that I've learned is depending on what I'm doing, I always try to go find somebody who's either already done it or done something similar and has the ability to help you get through those roadblocks. Because if they have relationships, you can lean on them, right? Make good relationships with people who have good relationships. That's the whole game of investing really does come down in my experience. It's there, you can hustle or you can just spend a lot of time making really good relationships. And then when opportunity presents itself, you're there because they're looking at you going, this is a trusted person. I know they're going to do what's best for the person that I'm putting them in front of, whether that is the realtor side or the investor side. The reality is when you create high level trust with people, they respect you, they trust you, they know that if you can help them, you will, vice versa. Then when you need their help, they're more than happy to return the favor. So, yeah, exactly. And I think it's human nature. If you're friendly to someone and you help them and you create that relationship, as you said, then there is a, a quid pro quo. And it, it it's like responsibility and friendliness and everything else does grease the wheels, right? It just makes it easier. It's if I say to you, Laurel, go do this. If I use that term with you, you're like, go do what? Right? Like you're like, okay, let's try that. If I say, hey, Laurel, can you help me with this? I, you know, I just really need someone. I'm in, I'm in trouble, or this circumstance presents itself. I really don't have an idea. Can I pick your brain? Do you mind giving me 15 minutes of your time? The odds of responsive yes are so high because most of us who have learned things in our lives, who have gone through circumstances, we love the opportunity to take our lessons that we might have had to learn the hard way and give people the cheat sheets if they can learn and listen to us. The thing in life that I love is that the more you learn, A, from your own experiences and from the experience of others, like when I get the phone call, I may not have the answer, but I might know the person that does, right? And that's like you said, having all these people in your world matter. And when you know the right people, you don't have to be the person who knows everything. You just need to know the people who might know. And when you know that you may not know, and you know they probably don't know, but they might know the person, right? How far down the chain does it go where you run into these people who say, hey, you know, or the worst is when they say they think they know and they try to give you advice, but it's not, it's not the correct advice. Just get to the source. And that's why with the city, with lenders, especially I find lenders are one of the people that if you can create great relationships, whether that lender can work with you or they have somebody else they know, those, those are the, the big ones where they really help you boost um, your ability to invest and grow in the market. And then if you're dealing with the city, I, again, any relationships you have, anything with the local, um, you know, local charities and or local uh, sporting 
because a lot of them sport uh, their kids or they themselves are investors in the sporting reality to try to grow their brand just like we do. Um, and, you know, as in politics, I guess it's maybe not the brand, but I think in my head, that's how I see it. It's like growing their own brand. Then you, you lean with them and you, you try to support them where you can. So again, it's the, the back scratching, right? Hey, you help me, I help you. And that's, I think, how most of us try to live our lives. It's not, how do I get something from you? It's not the mindset. It's how do I help you? And knowing that at some point, hopefully, we, you know, together we can grow and become better people. What areas in the Windsor or the municipality are up and coming? Because I confess, you know, I just realized I don't think I've ever been to Windsor. Not ever. Not ever. Have you? Well, you've had to at least driven through oh. it to get to Detroit, right? Once. That's true. I, yeah, well, probably a lot of times as a kid with my family. But yes, that's true. I did drive through Windsor to get to Detroit. But I've only done that once as an adult. So that, I really don't know the city very well. In the downtown core, is there a lot of development? And in relation to the university, because you mentioned students, I mean, yes, there's University of Windsor, right? And that is an opportunity, student housing. Yeah. So we we have the bridge going in right now, the Gordie Howe Bridge, which is they're, they're diverting most of the truck traffic out and around out of the downtown or, or by the university itself. There's an area called Sandwich Town or West Windsor, depending on what you'll look at it. And uh, that's a neighborhood that's been dilapidated for a long time. One of the owners bought like that owned the bridge uh, at one point, bought up a lot of the property and it all got boarded up because he wanted to do stuff. The city, of course, didn't. Um, so it really put a blight on the city. Now, the benefit is that whole neighborhood is being rejuvenated there with the other bridge going in and, and the things that are coming up over in that scenario. Um, the whole neighborhood has kind of got a revitalization. We've got a lot of pubs down there that are really cool. You know, we, it's trying to revive the, uh, the safety and the lifestyle down there. The other area of the city that we have is, is Ford City or Drulard area. Um, again, for a long time, that neighborhood was pretty dilapidated and you know, has a bad rep for danger or whatever you want to call it. But again, same idea, putting in the, the there's a new Coney Island that just opened up over there. There's a, the, they keep getting these new startup pubs and different ideas and all these cool shops. Like there's, there's a bar where you go and they're literally, you just walk up, they've got a tap thing, you go sit outside or you sit inside in the temperature like today, but they've got a, like a food truck out back, like just really cool ambiance. And so they're really trying to reinvest into some of these more downtrodden neighborhoods. And that's really cool to see. So as an investor, you know, and in, in those neighborhoods are starting to rebuild. Now there's still areas of any, you know, in any city that are still questionable for the investor to say, hey, here's those lines, right? And so as an expert of this area, I know block to block, we, you know, from one block to the next, you can talk about a hundred thousand dollar difference in value based on one street. And you're like, how is that possible? It's just the location. And within six blocks, you can go from a million dollars on in Walkerville to Drulard. <laughs> And you cross Walker Road and now you're different areas. So Windsor is an old city. That's the other thing people have to remember. This city is extremely old. We're a border city. Um, we do have all the amenities as well, though. So if you are looking to retire here um, as an investor or you're looking at like buying something, you'll rent it and then possibly you know move here. The benefit of Windsor, if you are in the GTA or anything like that, and you like that, you can cross the border in 20 minutes. And, and be at any sporting event. You can go to the concerts. We've got the, we got Casino Windsor. There's also the casinos right across the border. Amazing food right across the border. Amazing food in, in the city. There's a lot of really cool things about the overall city atmosphere. So from an investment perspective, there's a lot of pockets you can get invested in. And it's just up to the investor to decide what they want. We have, like I said, we have the, we have the college, we have the university. We have short term with the battery plant being built and the bridge still being built. We've got, we've got your normal, you know, 
your your normal what I would say ODSP slash uh, welfare or guaranteed income, you know you can go that route, or you can turn around and you can go the higher end route, and you want to go for the the professionals who are in town for a bit because we again being part of the big three, we do have professionals who show up for three year stints and in different situations. So there's all kinds of unique investment opportunities in Windsor, as well as your normal, just, Hey, I'm going to buy a triplex. I'm going to rent it out to, you know, working class and just make my cash flow and then just keep rolling on. And that's kind of the benefit I see of this city is we are, we are small, but we're big at the same time. We we're we're a city of about 250,000 area, about half a million, but you cross the border and you're to Detroit, one of the largest cities in the U S right. And so we get the big city life and we're basically a suburb. <laughs> No, all right. And you know what? I had forgotten about the new bridge going in, but maybe you can talk a little bit about that because um, when is it scheduled to be finished? So it's supposed to be opening uh, 2025. As always, there's a chance it's 2026. But like if you, uh, when I leave my house, I can actually look over and see, and you just see the two pieces of the bridge getting closer and closer together. And then you got the can in the US side. And so with that bridge, the expectation is probably within the next 18 months. It could be as soon as, as 12, but probably 18 to 24 um, is more realistic for the bridge to open. And then we've got the battery plant, which is being built on the east end of our city. Um, so again, we've got a lot of really high skill trades in town right now working um, to get everything up. And then once that bridge is up, then there's all the stuff that's going to be built around it to support it. Because right now, of course, there is a Tim Hortons and a McDonald's and there's a couple things, but there's not a lot of industry yet over by where it's sitting because nothing, you know, nobody's really traveling yet. But as soon as that shows up, again, as an investor, there's opportunity to possibly get over there, pick up some commercial land if you're into that, or if you prefer residential. Again, it's more build to suit than it would be necessarily to buy what's existing because a lot of what is existing is, and you're talking 100 years old a lot of the time, like built 1920 to 1945. So right in that 80 to 100 year old. So again, if you're an investor and understand um, age of homes and, and how to manage them and, and, and all the issues that do appear in these older homes versus again, the what you're seeing a lot of them do is buy up two lots, knock them both down and put up a, a brand new fourplex. The city is allowing for some zoning and doing those types of things because they want you know the rejuvenation. And with the new bridge and some of the opportunity over there, it's a, you know, it's a great time to be looking at uh, that, two to three year window option where you could invest some heavy capital now with the turnaround coming from that, uh, that project being completed. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. What do you see the window of opportunity to be given the expected completion of the, the bridge and, and the new industry going in? And I know you don't have a crystal ball. It would be lovely if you did. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it comes down to like, so again, as an investor, if you're a land investor, so if you really like to buy land or you're, or you're a speculator, then I think it's a great time to speculate. Like you're looking at a window where in the next three years, there's a lot of things that could really increase the cash flow of the average you know person in the city. When the battery plant opens, that's 2,500 jobs local, right? So when the bridge opens, it's not going to be this, you know, it's more jobs, but it's not in the same light as that. But when you see that and you have all this temporary work in the short term. So if you do buy some of these properties, do some short term or, you know, you know, the, the defined by the city. So you want to verify the terms, but you want to be able to do these shorter term uh, rentals with these guys while they're in town, make that extra cash flow because they get it per diem and you can do pretty well there and then turn around and then possibly demo after the fact once they're done and build for the incoming group. Um, who are going to be coming into town to actually work at the factory. Because again, 2,500 jobs, I'm sure Windsor can fill some of it, but we're going to need 
people coming down from London, you know, Toronto and other locations to come and fill some of the jobs uh, locally to support. Because we have Chrysler, we've got Ford. Now I've got the battery plant. Um, Stellantis, which is Chrysler, just did their massive renovation on their building. And there's a lot of stuff going on there. So there's so much kind of going on local that right now, you know, exactly what that looks like for the servers, right? So I always talk about that. Like when you, there's a lot of extra people in the city and there's in the place you want to check to see if they're doing well, it's all the bars, all the breakfast places, right? So where everyone goes first thing in the morning and how the tips are going and where everyone's going in the afternoon to blow off some steam and where the tips are going. Because when the tips and the money's flowing into that portion of the industry, that means the rest of the economy is probably doing pretty well. Oh, that's a really good I think tip. I guess I have a little pun there, but yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it, but you're absolutely right. If the servers, the hospitality industry, uh, if the tips are flowing, as you say, that's a really good indication of the, the generally, excuse me, the general economy. Because yeah. if people don't have extra money, they're not going to go into those bars and restaurants and do whatever they do, right? Exactly. Hmm, okay. And <laughs> student housing, is there a shortage of student housing in the city? There was, there isn't. So with the transition over the last year, I think students were able, because of the amount of adjustment with the rates and everything, there was a limited amount of student rental. So our student area expanded probably, in my opinion, probably almost 40% further than it used to. So you'd say about seven, seven to 12 blocks further away than you would have expected. So stuff that if you would have said, Hey, Jordan, I'm buying this and it's university rental in 2008, I would have laughed and been like, no, that's nowhere near the university, dude. Like if you're buying university rental, you need to be within these five to seven blocks. And then all of a sudden, like it expanded right into basically our downtown core, anything that basically a bus could get you there because so much of the market was so flooded with just trying to get transactions done in real estate. There was a lot of people were being displaced out of their rentals into home ownership because interest rates were so low. Now that we've shifted, now there's a lot more vacancy reappearing. So again, you would say it's tightened back up, probably back into that eight, nine block radius of the university instead of that 12 to 15 block radius extending out. And so with that, there's a good opportunity to be investing. But just as a reminder, if you're buying on the edge of any investment area, right? So if you're right on the outskirts and if something changes, then all of a sudden people can get closer. They will no different than the battery plant. It's on the east end of the city. People are going to choose a 10-minute drive over a 30-minute drive every time. Now, if there's nothing in 10 minutes, then they'll go 30 minutes because they still need it. But again, same concept. And so I would say right now, if you're looking at university, it's still a great opportunity because there is definitely opportunity. It's just where that is. And again, being an expert in the area will give you some advice around, hey, don't get too far away these days. Whereas before, it was like, yeah, no, you can be in this location. But just so you know... I would always advise this is outside what I would have personally defined as that area, right? And so with that, just understand you can get the bonus now, but if things change, which of course did, you those people at least weren't, you know, I'd say this, I don't want to lie to people or give people false false hope, but it doesn't, like right now is a great time to be in the city on the short term because we have all these short-term workers. Now in five years, if we don't have any new industries being built, we might not have a bunch of short-term, but we might be long-term people all of a sudden because now the people are working in those locations. So. You just have to be able to understand what's going on, adapt to the market in front of you, get in touch with a local realtor or local, at least somebody local who knows exactly what's going on. It could be a local investor. You're, you know, you can buy private. It's fine. But make sure you know where you're buying, what you're buying, because there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions. And the difference between a random person and me is I have an obligation with my license to be honest and truthful. And not that I wouldn't necessarily be anyway, 
but I also know what's going on because I'm actively involved in the real estate market as well as actively involved as an investor. Oh, Jordan just has so much information. He's so enthusiastic about Windsor and the area. Wow. Truly, if I was going to be investing down there, I would really contact him because he knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? He can really tell that he, he's put his heart and soul into that city. He absolutely has. And he was giving us what I really liked is that he's been giving us throughout his this two-parter snippets as to the different neighborhoods and how they've evolved and what's going on and kind of getting the insider tips. Plus, it's a border town. It's also a lot of construction, a lot of things that are going on and infrastructure build. So it was a really fabulous two-parter. That's right. So stay tuned for part two, because if you like part one, you're going to like part two also. So until next time, customize your life. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.